0: okay hello everybody today is friday another anything goes friday welcome to the show first i would like to give a big shout out to everybody who followed the episode true crime talk radio and these are meant to be a little bit more general drawing from various pieces of media various sources and looking at multiple topics across the board i started this back in 2019 when i did an episode called serial killer talk radio and i had um A good experience with that one, just for those reasons. You can talk about many different things at once. And I got more into the CIA because I was actually tipped off from a comment from Playtime that was left here on this channel. And this was actually on the episode, Did the Zodiac Killer Murder Joan Webster? And Playtime wrote in saying, There are many connections to the CIA. One I find the most compelling is the 13-month calendar, each having 28 days and there being 52 weeks, each with seven day four weeks in each month, and with one day left over. One calendar called the Day Out Time has the first day of the week called Dali Day, named after Salvador Dali, the father of surrealism, which is an art cultural movement. Dali Day is the day the CIA has designated for its kills, to be able to blame it on the occult. The Kennedys died on Dolly Day, so did Martin and Malcolm, so did many other CIA kills. And the most intriguing thing is, the Zodiac kills were also on Dolly Day, leaving one to think that there is a CIA link. There is a video that has been done on the Carr family, which could be connected to the CIA like the Webster's. And the Carr family is, of course, um, something from the Son of Sam murders, Uh, David Berkowitz, the convicted son of Sam Shooter, was heavily connected to the Carr family, and the uh, children of the Carr family may have actually been active participants in the murders. However, Berkowitz was convicted of them, and then later on, Berkowitz would go to scale back, more or less, he would um, recant some of the confessions, and he would confess to Maury Terry that he only actually committed two of those murders with the uh, son of Sam slayings in the 1970s. And as you heard that name there, the Websters, this was from the episode um, Did the Zodiac Killer Murder, Joan Webster. And Joan Webster's parents were heavily connected to the CIA, and that's the subject of the book Mommy's a Mole, Whale of a Tale," which is actually written by the sister-in-law of Joan Webster, Eve Carson, and uh, we'll share some things from her later on in this episode because in addition to researching the murder of Joan Webster, she looks into a lot of CIA Material, but about Dali Day, I thought this would be a good place to start because I learned about this from you guys in the comment section over the last twelve months. A handful of people were saying, "Hey, Ned, can you do a video on Dali Day?" And uh, it um, didn't ring any bells for for me. Of course, I could see Dali's talking about Salvador da Dali, perhaps, and yeah, sure, father of surrealism. And surrealism would go on to penetrate various circles, various elite circles. That is, throughout the United States of America. And I have um an episode on George Hill Hodel, who is um one of the prime suspects in the Black Dahlia murder case, the murder of Elizabeth Short back in the 1940s. And it wasn't doesn't appear so much that um, that was a surrealist art movement that had penetrated an elite circle via the CIA. Instead, it just seems that that was more of Hollywood acting on in its own weird volition. But I got online, and I wanted to read up more on Dolly Day, and I found something on Zodiac Ciphers, and it turns out it wasn't the actual article. It's actually a comment that was left by somebody named B.B., B., who wanted to share some things about Dolly Day and the CIA. Robert Francis Kennedy, also known as Bobby, was born on November 20th, 1925, and died on June 6, 1968. John Fitzgerald Kennedy, also known as Jack, was born on May 29, 1917 and died on November 22, 1963. Martin Luther King Jr. was born on January 15, 1929 and died on April 4, 1968. All were murdered on Dolly Days, and you heard that explanation at the beginning about converting the uh, calendar into 13 months, all months have 28 days. COINTELPRO was a series of covert and, at times, illegal projects conducted by the United States Federal Bureau of Investigation aimed at surveilling, infiltrating, and discrediting and disrupting domestic political organizations. FBI records show that COINTELPRO resources targeted groups and individuals that the FBI deemed subversive, including the Communist Party of the USA, anti-Vietnam War organizers, activists of the Civil Rights Movement, or Black Power Movement. Martin Luther King Jr., for example, and the Black Panther Party. Feminist organizations, independence movements such as the Puerto Rico independence groups like the Young Lords, black-owned bookstores, and a variety of organizations that were part of the broader New Left. I think Dr. Dr. MLK Jr. was murdered on April 4, 1968 by rogues in the government. J. Edgar Hoover considered him a radical and made an object, made an objective of the FBI's COINTEL. Crow, which tried to get MLK to commit suicide. There is the Dolly Day signature of 4-4, that's April 4th, being the murderer's signature day the same as the Zodiac Killer. There are many commonalities with the smear campaign of causes, such as shutting down the Good Times newspaper by the FBI. They made accusations that the paper's editor, Richard Gajkowski, was the Zodiac. Why? Because the Good Times hippie commune was trying to stop the war. The Gulf of Tonkin was a Black Project false flag operation. Prove the war was a crime. The Pentagon Papers were released in 1971 by RAND employee Daniel Ellsberg. The Gulf of Tonkin incident was on Dolly Day, August 2nd, 1964, but no Americans were harmed, just innocent Vietnamese. Three were killed and six were injured. This goes on for a while, but I think we have to have some interjections here because firstly, Richard Gikowski is a Zodiac Killer suspect. Um, I think that anyone who's looked into the Zodiac Killer mystery would probably have some familiarity with Richard Guykowski and there seems to be a lot of suspicion around him, not only because um, he was running a newspaper at the time, and if you have ever read that profile on ZodiacKiller.com, it begins with um, saying how a letter was mailed every single day of the week except for the night that Richard Guykowski had his newspaper deadline. Is that significant? So people get tipped off to Gajk in a variety of ways um it's not only about he's running this type of pro-peace anti-war newspaper and they want to shut it down let's not kid ourselves though things like that do happen if they suspect that some group or some movement could be growing in power they often get shut down this happens in the business world when a competitor is bought out or it can also happen in another way in the business world like for example what the rockefellers did with the oil industry was they used their fortune to purchase all the oil containers so that the competitors couldn't do anything with their oil. It's a way of putting them out of business. There's a way of shutting down competition, or there are ways of shutting down people who have an agenda that is contrary to someone else's. But Does that mean that the CIA is actually responsible? I mean, the whole point is that Blaine Blaine, also known as Goldcatcher, really looked into Gajkowski, and he brought him to the center stage of the internet and it seems that Blaine is still online sharing stuff about Richard Guyalcowski to this day saying that he thinks he has the voice he thinks he has the physical appearance all of those things so i am um, i would need a lot more convincing to hear these things like before i believe this theory that Richard Guyalcowski was targeted by the CIA because they wanted to shut down the good times newspaper which appears to be successful, let alone Richard Gajkowski was also a high-functioning, paranoid, schizophrenic, and heavy drug user, and, um, I mean, I could talk about the Zodiac Killer and, like, some personality and how that may or may not match up for hours, but... I think that Gaikowski had his own mental issues outside of anything to do with the CIA trying to shut him down. I'm not saying that this theory is wrong that's written by BB here. I'm saying I'm not convinced of it in that there seems to be additional information about Gikowski that has been left out. As for the Gulf of Tonkin incident, that is one that is widely accepted as a false flag. I mean, it's one that I don't think there's even dispute about it. When I was in high school history class, there wasn't too much talk about this. I mean, they, t- they would tell you the name of the Gulf of Tonkin incident. But then, really, I was in the years after I had graduated that all kinds of media sources were simply just describing it as a false flag. And that these things happen very frequently. They do these things to um, draw people into war. They happen all the time. So, the Pentagon Papers, as you heard that name there, Daniel Ellsberg, the Pentagon Papers actually became somewhat um, connected to another individual named Senator Mike Gravel, who was the one who went on to enter them into the public record, and one book that has been on my reading list for a long time is the Pentagon Papers by Catherine Meyer Graham. She is the woman from the Post, um, editor of the Washington Post for a long time. I've mentioned her on the channel in a couple episodes from time to time, but I'll I'll get back to this very extended comment, which is really an article in itself, written by B.B., Former FBI agent Robert Mayhew introduced the CIA to the mob. In the Mob Connection shadow government parlance, the terms, the commission, or the committee are used when referring to the coordinating of mafia associates, which was first and foremost, boss Sam Giancana, With any government intelligence but since the black budget of these secret groups is off the books we can only speculate as to who was exactly involved the members of these groups are secret too jfk was killed by the mob cia he called for the secret organization to be scattered to the winds his last speech was about the dangers of these groups ah you're trying to identify a motive for the kennedy assassination this is a tough one I am not exactly a Kennedy buff. I mean, I—I I, exactly. I mean, I shouldn't even have said that. I am not a Kennedy assassination buff or expert. I do have a couple episodes about John F. Kennedy here on this channel because there was a request that was once made talking about JFK and the connections to the Israeli Mossad. Somebody made that request. Could you do an episode on the Israeli Mossad's involvement in the Kennedy assassination? And that sent me down an entire rabbit hole looking at the writings and recordings of Michael Collins Piper, who puts forward his theory that there were pro-Israeli elements of the CIA and pro-Israeli elements of organized crime, and they conspired together to take out John F. Kennedy. And the other Kennedy assassination material that I've done on this channel is somewhat in line with that, saying elements of organized crime, elements of the CIA, but the one that is always overlooked is the elements of the Nazis. And we explored this in the episodes on May Brussel. I did a more or less a three-part series here. One was just on the life and death of May Brussel, who was an avid Kennedy assassination researcher, the host of Dialogue Conspiracy. And then, of course, there is also the response that we did to the biography, Queen of Conspiracy, about Mae Brussel. You can find all of those episodes here on this channel. Those are going in some very different directions. One is saying it's the Nazis, and the other is saying that it was the Jews. And maybe you can go back far enough, and you'll find that the house always wins. You must know that expression, right? Well, how about the elites are always on the side of the elites? Or that the oligarchs, the few... The few people who have the power are on their own side, and then everybody else is just, like, getting thrown into a chaotic mess. So they can't overthrow the people who are deemed as the oligarchs. It's like they become the ones who have the power, and then they pit everybody against themselves so that these divided factions can never grow in power. The point is... It's not impossible for Nazis and Jews to have worked together. There are numerous pieces of literature that you can find about how the financial relationships between, or I should say economic relationships, between various countries who have an opposed religious, political, or cultural agenda, they exist all the time. I mean, we can think of numerous examples even in the present day. Maybe one comes to mind. Okay, now let's get back to that... um, article here. I just wanted to um, share that because I think that lots of people have claimed to have identified the motivation for the Kennedy assassination, but the CIA is at the top of the list. I mean, in my book, as well as, of course, organized crime. I think May Brussels stuff about how the Nazis who had been brought over to the United States via Operation Paperclip were um, a little bit, I think that that one's a little bit more far out and it's not as widely accepted. Okay, so, back to the article. The plumbers were all mobbed-up CIA guys who perpetrated dirty tricks against people to get others elected. The CIA's Howard Hunt worked for Bush when he had an office in the Nixon White House. Watergate was all creep. Peace-loving liberal hippies with their number one enemy, according to former FBI man G. Gordon Liddy. And how they combated them was through establishing guilt by association smear campaigns. The Charles Mansons had long hair hippies that became evil. Yeah, it does say that. The Charles Mansons. Um, now we're getting into some other things about how there's this widely held belief that the CIA was very much opposed to the hippies. And this is going so much Further beyond the Good Times newspaper singling in on one guy, its editor, Richard Gaikowski. this is going to the entire hippie movement thinking that they were dangerous. They were growing in power because if you control how people think, you control everything. And I've told this story before but I once met a guy at a bar once and he he was talking about how he's complaining about the government and world wars and so on. And I was like, okay, well, what do we do about it? And he said… The revolution of consciousness is greater than the revolution of military force. If you can get people to start thinking in a different way, then it is more valuable. Well, that's what the hippie movement was. It was getting people to think in a different way. And a lot of people believe that the activities of Charles Manson and his family were a way to destroy the movement of the hippie showing that, hey, this is what being a hippie will do to you. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll will turn you into some type of murderous psychopath without a conscience. Although the Manson family adamantly, adamantly were not hippies. I mean, you can even go back and hear some of the old interviews, the prosecutors going after them, not Vincent Bugliosi, but maybe Stephen K, saying that they were slippies. They were meant to slip under the cover of being hippies, but that was not their movement. Yet, when it comes to something like the mainstream media, of course, they're not going to care about... About that type of um, uh, differentiation Charles Manson looks like a hippie therefore he is a hippie and he was definitely all about sex drugs and music and they're showing that this is if you follow this lifestyle this is what's going to happen to you and even if you do not believe the more far- out conspiracy theories that Charles Manson was a CIA informant who was a uh, pump full of drugs and um, exposed to various types of uh, literature including Scientology in prison just so that he would become some type of murderous, programmed, orchestrating Killbot, okay, even if you don't believe that, then the media coverage surrounding the Manson family trial was something that was very useful to the CIA. And this gets into a whole nother conversation about Operation Mockingbird, which is about using the media coverage to persuade people to think in certain ways. All back to that stuff there, trying to stop the revolution of consciousness. So um, let's get back to this here. The hippies are evil according to people like J. Edgar Hoover. To him, the peace protesters had to be stopped. He wished hippies would die and go to Vietnam the way that they were supposed to. Hoover was the ultimate hypocrite, gay but against the gays, in the mob but was the top cop in America. His nickname was the Bulldog but he wore women's panties. The Zodiac Killer was the perfect boogeyman for causes like we need to allow for police brutality which was one of the biggest social causes of the day their answer was the hero introduced in the movie dirty harry the movie sold tons of guns as the 44 magnum was shown off Clint Eastwood was the biggest movie star in the world. They got him to portray the tough-on-crime cop that you supposedly need. The Scorpio was representing the Zodiac. And yeah, the uh, name of the killer in that film is Scorpio, which is based on the Zodiac killer, just being clear. He had long hair, hippies are evil, Be scared, but you should vote in a tough-on-crime government. Scorpio paid a criminal to inflict some police brutality on him to get the good cop Harry smeared as a dirty cop. I think they, this mob-fused group, terrorized the left-leaning San Francisco to get voters to think that they need to vote for more cops, brutal people with bigger guns, to stop the Zodiac Killer. But guns aren't the answer. The ultimate weapon of all time is the pen. Its ammo is the truth." Well, thank you to BB for writing out this comment here, and this was found on ZodiacCiphers.com. Being clear, again, that wasn't an article. That was a response to the um, article that had been posted by Richard Grinnell, Presidio Heights Inside the Taxi Cab. I do appreciate that type of thinking, and I have um, discussed that type of theory on the channel a lot before about how, all right, you have Charles Manson operating in Los Angeles. That's Southern California. I mean, okay, he's not actually in the city of Los Angeles, but very close by. And then that's creating the image of sex, drugs, and rock and roll will turn you into this murderous kill bot. And then in the northern part of California, in the northern part of the state, you have the Zodiac Killer operating in San Francisco, the zenith of hippie activity, the holy grail of the hippie movement, Ashbury Hayden, and so on. And you have this web of darkness that has been created in 1969. Via the Zodiac letters, of course, murders are happening in both of these places. California, I mean, all up and down. Every town and city you can imagine probably has murder from time to time. And especially in a city like San Francisco or in a city like Los Angeles, murders simply happen. But what the Zodiac killer did was the Zodiac wrote in letters and ciphers taking credit for murders. Some people think that these letters are hoaxes, that the Zodiac... um, Author who was behind the letters didn't actually murder the people, and other people think there was a single perpetrator who was doing this in a braggadocious way, and he's just trying to show the police and the general public and the newspapers that I'm smarter than you. I killed people now. I'm bragging about it in letters, and you'll never figure it out. That single perpetrator theory I was talking about would not necessarily require all of these um, CIA elements. Instead, that's just some guy being a evil, murderous jerk, more or less. But um, I do find these CIA theories to be very fascinating all the same. And these things really relate to um, how the CIA could be trying to control people in their forms of thought. And I think that one of the most valuable things that they do is they label anybody who speaks out against them as a conspiracy theorist. In the second episode I ever did for Black Box Online Radio, it was called... True crime – no, what was it called now? It's been like four years. True conspiracy theorists. Yeah, it took me a second there. And that was um, sharing a piece of info, something that I do genuinely believe. Conspiracy nut is a term that should not exist in our vocabularies because why not view people in a different way? Instead of calling them conspiracy theorists, let's call them independent investigators – Otherwise, anybody who challenges the CIA or challenges the FBI or challenges the government or challenges the two-party political system, then they're just viewed as a conspiracy theorist. They're a conspiracy nut. Hey, look, they're doing uh, very destructive things that are killing people. I don't want to hear about that. You're a conspiracy theorist. That's a conspiracy theory. It has no merit. It has no value. And that type of dismissive thinking is bad. We've been talking a lot about how the CIA could be trying to control how people think and how they would try and silence certain domestic individuals, like people who are Americans. Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, the Kennedys, all of these people who are um, on the American homeland. But what would we do if we were going to look at the CIA examples of how they're trying to interfere with individuals who are outside of America Now, if we go to a different country, North Korea, I have a hypothesis, and I don't know if I've read too many sources that actually match up with this, but it was that Kim Il-sung, the first president of North Korea, was terrified of the CIA because he didn't want North Korea to be destabilized the way that many other countries around the world would be, or that he didn't want to get pitted against a... the Americans in a larger example of the Korean War, where he didn't want something like Vietnam to happen in North Korea. And he was very much aware of the American CIA and the, um, the people who were behind it, and that he knew that they were capable of that. That's why there's such a large nuclear program in North Korea. And they're talking all about ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles, And you hear this in the news all the time. They said North Korea wants their nuclear program so that they will feel safe. I'm like, well, safe from who? I mean, many people think that the United States of America doesn't even give a rat's ass about what's going on in North Korea. They just want to get more rice to people who are in the villages. And it really depends on who you believe. I'm not someone who's ex-CIA or FBI or military intelligence or something, so I am a total outsider. But I do have these moments when I'm watching the evening news or I'm reading an article, and then I'm like, wait a second, that doesn't quite make sense to me. So I would like to go to an article that was published in USA Today. This one's actually from 2017 that talks about the North Korean CIA phobia. It's called North Korea accuses CIA of vicious plot to kill leader Kim Jong-un. So already passed Kim Il-sung, already passed Kim Jong-il, and on to Kim... Jong-un, and this was written by Kim Helmgard. Once again, USA Today 2017. North Korea accused American and South Korean intelligence services on Friday of plotting to assassinate the leader Kim Jong-un with biochemical substances, a foil plot by imperialists to destabilize the isolated regime. The detailed allegation by the Ministry of State Security and was published by the government media and it comes to mu- amid a soaring tension over North Korea's development of nuclear weapons and ballistic missiles to carry them, in defiance of the United Nations Security Council resolutions. In recent trials, President Trump and Kim have exchanged hostile threats that have raised concerns throughout the world about a dangerous military confrontation between the two nations. Maybe you remember that stuff, like, it was before the North Korean summit of 2018, which occurred at the, um, that was the spring of 2018, but back in 2017, that's when Donald Trump was, uh, calling Kim Jong-un rocket man and so on. So, um, there was a little bit of hostility, but then there was the, um, the summit of 2018 where the situation cooled down, more or less. North Korea claimed that the CIA is and was working with South Korean intelligence services to hatch a vicious plot targeting Kim Jong-un while he appeared in public in Pyongyang for ceremonial events. North Korea frequently makes allegations about U.S. belligerent moves that cannot be verified independently as accurate. Well, these things definitely do happen, and I went through this phase back in 2012 when I was watching a lot of movies from Korea. Many of them were documentaries, but some of them were fictional. And one was kind of like a war historical fiction presentation on an attempted assassination plot by the South Koreans to slit the throat of Kim Il-sung. They wanted to send in covert operatives into North Korea, and they wanted to kill Kim Il-sung by knife. So, I mean, this... These things do happen, and it's not completely outrageous to have pure doubt and say, no, that's impossible. There's no way that our government would ever do that. I mean, I'm not saying that this exact specific accusation is correct. I just don't like the dismissive thinking saying, oh, everything they say is unsubstantiated. I'm definitely on the side of the Americans over the North Koreans also being clear about that. The statement said a terrorist group helped coordinate the plot. It did not say how it was foiled. Kim Jong-un watched a military parade in the North Korean capital on April 15th as part of celebrations marking the 105th birthday of North Korea's founder, Kim Jong-un's grandfather, Kim Il-sung, the first of three generations of the same family to rule the country as an absolute dictator since 1948. A communist dynasty. Can you believe that such a thing exists? That's just ridiculous. I mean, I'm not pro-North Korean being... Being clear again, the statement laid out a plot stretching back to when President Obama was in office in twenty sixteen. The CIA has a history of plots of trying to kill and overthrow governments or leaders in places like Iran and Cuba, but there is no evidence of such a plot being hashed recently. Oh yeah, there have been um numerous assassination attempts on Fidel Castro. There were in the past, that is, and I think the most famous um CIA overthrowing Plot would be that about Iran that they just mentioned here in the article, talking about the destabilization of Iran and the overthrowing of Mohammed Mossadegh. Now, John Perkins, the author of Confessions of an Economic Hitman, says that he was a former economic hitman. The way that these, um, you could say, it's not even the United States government, because some people just say that it's the oligarchs. The way that they want to control nations who are not playing ball, with the agenda of the oligarchs. Some people use the term new world order. The way that they want to control people is, first, they try to manage the situation economically. Confessions of an economic hitman. An economic hitman would manipulate the country's um, economic capabilities to get a desired outcome and then this leader will no longer be able to stay in power. Believe it or not, this was actually discussed in the book Fear by Bob Woodward, which is a very extended editorial piece talking about uh, Donald Trump and him. I think it's called Inside the Trump White House. When I was reading that one back in 2018, I think is when that came out, that even talked about how Nothing to do with Trump, but the Chinese government are all about economic hitmen. Say, for example, if there is a senator like Mitch McConnell and he's running for re-election, he's from Kentucky, Kentucky has a lot of a very strong corn industry. They can crash the corn industry only in the state of Kentucky. And then, well, that's going to make whatever senator will be running from the state of Kentucky look really bad. And the other example that was brought up was, Paul Ryan, who was a congressman from Wisconsin. Okay, Wisconsin has a very big dairy industry, and then the Chinese can manipulate the situation economically to crash the dairy market only within Paul Ryan's district. And those were the examples provided in the book. Of course, Paul Ryan is no longer a factor. Mitch McConnell still is, of course, but the point is, the way that Bob Woodward described it is, The Chinese are PhDs when it comes to being economic hitmen, and the Americans are preschoolers. And so, they try to manipulate the situation economically to force somebody out of office to get a desired outcome. I think you can get the idea. That's the first step of overthrowing a government. Now, what John Perkins laid out as number two is, if you cannot control the situation economically, then you send in the jackals. The jackals are people who are intended to cause internal uprisings. Like there was this line here just talking about how they were working with a terrorist group, allegedly. It would be something like that. Getting some type of internal agitator to cause a a calamity within the nation, to cause some type of terrorist attack within the nation. And that will also put pressure on the government to respond in a particular way. And it may even lead to someone being removed from office. Now, if that doesn't work, Then the third option is full-on military invasion, and maybe some examples of that would be Iraq and Libya. I would just like to add that it is important to remember that these things are based on perspective. Although John Perkins, who has multiple books out now, says that he was um, someone who dealt with this firsthand, it really is about um, talking about how some people believe that these things are true, and they're giving their account of what they think is happening. I mean, is that just like a picture-perfect example of everything that could possibly be going on in the world is reduced to those three factors. First, they control the situation economically, then they send in the jackals, and then they have full-on military interference. I'm, I'm not completely convinced of that. I do think that it happens sometimes, though. Back to USA Today. The murderous demons of the IS who conspired with the CIA ideologically corrupted and bribed a DPRK citizen surnamed Kim, the then-worker of the timber industrial branch in Khabarovsk, Russia, in June of 2013, and turned him into a full-on terrorist, one of repugnance and revenge. The Norse security agency said, DPRK stands for the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, the country's formal name. Well, yeah, it's great that they inserted that so late in the article about Khabarovsk, there was a vice documentary talking about how um, the North Koreans uh, send many people around the world to various places to to um, act as workers and in fact, North Korea has the lowest labor cost in all of Asia, and some people end up working in these labor camps outside of uh, towns in the far east of Russia, particularly chabarovsk but um, it is said that biochemical substances included a including a radioactive substance. Uh, nano poison. Mm, wow, that sounds nasty. And the alleged assassin handed over $20,000 on two occasions via satellite transmitter receiver to get him versed in this. At one point, the alleged assassin traveled to China to meet with a South Korean accomplices, according to the statement. This is starting to sound a lot like that movie, The Interview, with Seth Rogen and James Franco, I mean, communicating things like via satellite and just getting a some average Joe, more or less, to assassinate Kim Jong-un. Are they sure that this is real? They're not just ripping off somebody else's movie? North Korea vowed to ferret out and mercilessly destroy the last one of the terrorists of the U.S. CIA and the puppet of South Korean intelligence, targeting the dignity of the DPRK's supreme leadership. Well, that that's what I mean about perspective. You have to find out what really is happening who is um, the person that you can trust and believe, and what on earth is really going on in the world? Because people are in it for themselves. The North Korean media, as you can hear, they're all about their own agenda, and the South Koreans and the Americans they have their own, they have their own stance on the subjects as well. So I would like to talk about something that is in a bit of a different direction. Because while Iran and Mohammed Mossadegh is a story that we have heard about a lot. They even teach it in high school history classes. I would like to go on to one that I didn't learn about until after I started messing around on the Internet, and that is the CIA and the destabilization of the nation of Chile. This was the overthrowing of the Chilean leader Salvador Allende and the installation of the Pinochet regime. Augusto Pinochet, perhaps you've heard of him as um, a very intense authoritarian who went on to become a very brutal dictator, torturer, and so on. And I mentioned at the beginning that I've been corresponding with Eve Carson, who was the author of the book Mommy's a Mole Whale of a Tale, which talks all about the CIA and the murder of Joan Webster. And Joan Webster's father worked for a group called the ITT. And um, Eve Carson has written me a message about the overthrowing of Salvador Allende in Chile, in 1963, ITT was a concerned about the Marxist Salvador Allende taking power. Allende wanted to nationalize ITT's holdings in Chile. Chitelco, Chitelco was part of the telecommunications division of ITT. George Webster's division—that's the father of Joan Webster—they funneled a six. Excuse me, they funneled a seven-figure sum through the CIA. To disrupt Allende's campaign for president, by 1965, John McCone left his position as director of the CIA and became the CEO of ITT. ITT became a covert player to upend politics in Chile. For a period of time, they were successful undermining Allende. Allende ran again and ultimately was elected in 1970. ITT and the CIA were actively involved in trying to first beat him to overthrow him. This was an all-out campaign for funds, break-ins of Chilean diplomats, and the Chilean embassy in Washington, D.C., ITT sent experts to Bug, Allende, in Chile. These break-ins were deemed political. They coincided with the Watergate break-ins and related matters. Watergate really overshadowed what was going on with Chile. A former CIA operative, e. Edward, e. Howard Hunt, excuse me, E. Howard Hunt, was arrested as one of the Watergate plumbers. Several of those participants had CIA ties. Hunt was the organizer of the group. The CIA provided him with a disguise he used for his clandestine activities done for the Nixon White House. Hunt will use this disguise for another operation. He influenced an ITT lobbyist, Dita Beard. A memo of hers had been leaked and implicated ITT seeking favors from the Nixon DOJ during an antitrust investigation. Watergate and the Chilean break-ins were similar and suspected to be part of the Hunt group. And I just have one quick interjection here. With the overthrowing of Salvador Allende in Chile, I believe this is the time that Henry Kissinger made a statement on it saying, Allende was elected president, but, and I quote, we cannot wait for democracy to take its course, meaning they need to get Allende out. I mean, of course, they're against his agenda, but he was democratically elected. After Salvador Allende was elected, this is back to Eve Carson's message, after Allende was elected, tactics got more aggressive. ITT had an internal memo with directives to undermine Allende, all still going on covertly with the CIA. George Webster was the director of budget and planning in the telecommunications division and responsible for the Department of Defense. By virtue of his background, his division, and his position, George was in the thick of what was going on. Allende was killed in a coup on September 11, 1973. Augusto Pinochet took over. Thousands died under Pinochet's brutal dictatorship. The CIA was able, for a time, to claim plausible deniability for their actions undertaken by ITT, a typical standard of the agency that they tried on many operations. The church senate here exposed a lot of what the CIA and covert companies were doing. A subcommittee did an independent study of ITT. People escaped prosecution. It was a very dirty business. The CIA is an agency that designed to spread disinformation. Sadly, that is exactly what happened in the case of Joan Webster. And um, Joan Webster was the daughter of George Webster, the person that we've been talking about here. She disappeared from Logan Airport in Boston, Massachusetts on November 28, 1981, and her remains were found eight and a half years later buried in the ground in Chebaco. On Tobacco Road in the town of Hamilton, Massachusetts. To this day, no one has been convicted for the murder of Joan Webster. However, the authorities blamed the serial killer Leonard Paradiso. This is the subject of the book The Paradiso Files. Eve Carson, who was Joan Webster's sister-in-law, heavily disputes that and does not think there's any chance that Paradiso actually committed the murder and instead suggests that there was a police cover-up. Joan Webster's murder was heavily broadcast throughout the media, and a certain Zodiac researcher named Gareth Penn latched onto the story and believed that the Zodiac killer was actually responsible for the murder of Joan Webster. His particular suspect was Michael Henry O'Hare. And Eve Carson concludes by saying this is a simple overview, but gives you a sense of what happened. I think the long story short is, from time to time, the CIA definitely does exactly what Henry Kissinger was talking about. They cannot wait for democracy to take its course. Another famous quotation from Henry Kissinger was that the illegal we do immediately, the unconstitutional takes a little bit longer. He is somebody who is just about breaking the rules when it suits his agenda, and the CIA is about breaking the rules when it suits their agenda. I don't mean to go off on some giant Henry Kissinger tangent right now, but... I was actually out at the bar recently, and um, the person I was sitting next to was holding a book about um, American history. And I just asked a question, hey, what book are you reading? And it was talking about um, Richard Nixon, to be honest. So I asked him what he thought about some of those things. And then I got to the points about Henry Kissinger, and I said, okay, you seem like you're into history. You're into Richard Nixon. What do you think about Henry Kissinger? And his response was, very um, brief, but he said, I think Kissinger is someone who is very self-serving. He is very um, focused on his own agenda. And I'm like, well, I mean, come on, we're all focused on our own agenda. Do you think he's a good person or an evil person? And the response I got was something that quite surprised me. In his mind, Henry Kissinger probably views himself as a good person, but instead... The general public would probably view him as evil. He might be viewed as somebody who is um, doing lots of evil things only for the power grab. And in one of uh, Kissinger's presentations, he was promoting one of his bazillion books that he had written. I think it's the one that he did on China. But he was saying that somebody called him up in the middle of the night and he was very angry, but it was perhaps the only time he was actually angry about having too much power being Secretary of State. He was very involved with the power grab. And Kissinger would go on to be someone who would really alter the course of American foreign policy, and there are theorists out there who believe to this day that Henry Kissinger, even in his nineties, is the single most powerful person in the world because of his influence over foreign governments, because of his ability to persuade leaders, particularly through the firm Kissinger and Associates, and the vice president of Kissinger and Associates the last time I checked, I'm not sure about 2021, but in the recent years, his VP was someone who was running the Council on Foreign Relations, the CFR. So you see that there is this type of interconnected web of elite circles, and somebody like Kissinger is a very perfect example of how oligarchy can function. Kissinger is born into this little town in Bavaria, Firth was it called, and then he makes his way to the United States of America and goes on to become incorporated into The oligarchy. He wasn't born to some like noble family or something like that. He's not an aristocrat. Instead, he was someone who was useful to the elites, to the globalists, to the new world order, to whatever group you think is, um, whatever name you should give the elite circles that we've been talking about. So that can also happen, and then people like that can work with the CIA. Kissinger, of course, was National Security Advisor and Secretary of State, but um, there's a lot of overlap, especially when you're dealing with something like the Vietnam War or how to respond to North Korea or Chile, all of the countries that we've been talking about. Lots of overlap indeed. Now, there are many other people who um, have been serving in the role of national security advisor, and then they have gone on to be viewed as some type of asset to the deep state. Firstly, Kissinger, who was um, heavily promoted by Nelson Rockefeller, then Zbigniew Brzezinski, who was heavily promoted by David Rockefeller, and then even H.R. McMaster was viewed as a pawn of the deep state, but I don't have too many specifics on that. H.R. McMaster, of course, from the Trump administration, It is blind to political parties. It is blind to anybody's education or military background, people who are simply useful for putting forward an agenda. So these things can happen with the CIA, and they can also happen with um, the national security office any type of aspect of the government can lead to some people wanting more power, and they also want to control the world politically, and that might mean overthrowing certain people and interfering with another country's internal operations because their agenda is not beneficial to the oligarchs. Well, what do you think about the CIA, particularly that stuff in the beginning about Dali Day? And then what would you um, want to share about the Zodiac Killer or maybe Surrealist Art? Is that something that um, you want to talk about in the comment section? Or you can also share some things about the destabilization of Chile or Iran or some of these theories that people have about North Korea anybody can download the show for free at launchpad dm there's a link to that in the description box for the youtube listeners launchpad dm is connected to podcast one it's kind of like their user generated platform and you can also write the show at blackbox online radio at aol.com anybody can follow the show on facebook blackbox online radio My personal Facebook is also in the description box on YouTube. And you can follow me on Instagram, blackboxned 88 and tune into that weekly bonus podcast that I'm always yapping on about. And I will see you there on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.